We're so glad that y'all have joined us online for worship today, and we're positive that God has something specifically to speak just to you. We want you to know that you are always welcome here at First Baptist Azel, and that you can connect with us by going online to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. Now let's hop back into the sermon and hear what God has for us today. I to disagree. <laughs> so this week, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to uh, speak to you about today's topic. We're actually going to continue on what we talked about last week. So last week, if you were here, uh, we started talking about um, how uh, God was the potter and that we're the clay and that God um, desires for us to be moldable and to allow him to mold us to the plan uh, that he um, uh, wants us to be on. And what I want to talk about today is I want to pick up right there and basically answer the question of if you're a person that's like, yes, I'm on board with God's plan. I want to be on God's plan. I want my life to be shaped by him, but I don't really know where to start. I don't know what decisions I need to make. I don't know um, how to uh, have my life be formed by him. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so we're going to pick up on Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which is where we left off last week. So if we can go ahead and all stand up together, we will read this verse and get going. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for your word, and I thank you, God, that you do uh, make promises to us, and, and more importantly, you make promises uh, that you have plans for us, and that you do want us to prosper, and you do want us to, to have a hope, and you do want us to have a future. And I pray, Lord, that um, as we gather um, together as the church for these next few minutes, God, that we would dig into your word and figure out um, what it looks like to hop on board your plan, and that we'd figure out um, what your word has to say about these issues, and that we might um, align ourselves with your word so that we can be better followers of you. We thank you for all that you give us, God. Uh, we pray for Pastor uh, and their family, that they would get a quick and speedy recovery, and that they might be back with us. God, it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, in 2008, I went to college. And um, I grew up in Bonham, Texas. If you don't know where that is, that uh, was uh, on the other side of Dallas. And I went to college at East Texas Baptist University, which is in Marshall, Texas. It was about a three-hour drive uh, between those things. And about a month into college, um, something happened that happens to every uh, new college uh, person. Um, they run out of laundry. And so when they run out of laundry, what do they do? They drive home so uh, their mom can do their laundry. So, so that was my situation. And I was getting ready to drive home for the first time since I uh, went to college. I was driving a 1999 Chevy Metro. And if you don't know what that is, here's a picture of that. This is the car that I drove. My mom, in 2008, I think, uh, bought this car for $600. And I drove that car, let's see, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I think I sold it in 2015, 2016-ish. So I drove that car for uh, a good eight or nine years, $600. Uh, by the time I was done with that car, um, the fifth gear didn't even work. It was a manual. It could only go up to fourth gear. I remember I got pulled over one time in Lake Worth because I was going um, like 50 or 55, and the cop pulled me over, and he was saying, why are you going so slow? And I said, my fifth gear doesn't work. Uh, you are more than welcome to fix it. Uh, and 
So I was driving this car, and this was, again, the first time that I was going home in college, and uh, I wanted to stop at a football game because my, uh, my hometown uh, high school was playing a football game at a town in between there. Never been to the town before, but I decided that I was going to uh, go watch the football game and watch the marching band and talk to some of my old friends. Uh, well, again, I didn't know where it was, and so what I did was I pulled up MapQuest. Does everyone remember MapQuest? Yeah, uh, it was before the time of smartphones where you could just have Siri tell you where to turn. Uh, MapQuest uh, um, pulled up. Uh, it basically, all it gave you was turn at Evan Street or turn right at um, Oak Street. Like that's, that's what it gave you. You didn't know where you were going. And so that works really great um, whenever you can see the road. Um, however, here's what happened. I stopped at the football game, and within the first 10 minutes of the football game, downpour started happening. They ended up canceling the football game because it was raining so bad. And so I got in my 1999 Chevy Metro, and I started driving, and I couldn't even see the cars in front of me. Like, I had a hard time seeing the lights in front of me, much less the stop signs and the, the street signs. And so um, I started driving, and I just started making turns. I had no clue where I was going. I was looking on MapQuest for these uh, directions. Couldn't see the signs, so I just started making turns. And after I made a few turns, all of a sudden, I started feeling a bumpiness to where I was driving. And so I thought, this doesn't feel right. And so I stopped the car, I opened the door, and I get out, and I'm in the middle of a field. I'm not even on the road anymore. I'm just in the middle of the field. Uh, so I made the very wise um, freshman college decision in that moment to sit in my car and wait for the rain to die down. And then I got back on the road. Long story short, I made it home safe and sound. But I say that because do you ever feel like that in life? Do you ever feel like you have a very um, clear path that you want to get to? You have a very clear destination and plan that you want to get to, but... Due to circumstances um, in your life and in the country, um, everything is so clouded and foggy that you don't even know where to turn anymore. Like, you know where you want to go, but you don't quite know how uh, to get there. Well, what I want to talk about today is how to make decisions in that. And uh, so I don't know uh, if you realize it, but our country, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And it's causing a lot of things to change. And I can tell you this, um, as a representative of the staff here at the church, um, each and every week we meet together and we ask the question, what do we do next? We don't know. Every week we have hard decisions placed between us of, uh, as far as like, do we continue meeting? Uh, do we have mass? Do we not have mass? Do we start up small groups? Do we have vacation Bible school? Do we have upward? If we do have these things, how do we have them? Um, there's all these questions that we don't quite know how to answer. And in, in fact, um, being a pastor right now is pretty hard. And I saw this, this video shared around um, a few weeks ago on Facebook. And here's a video of a real-time view of what it feels like to be a pastor right now. All right, we're going to turn around. Oh. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Can you make it? Oh, oh, oh. And is he good? Is he, oh, is he going to make it? There he goes, he made it. I can tell you this, this is what it feels like. I don't know about for y'all in y'all's personal life, but this is what it feels like um, trying to lead 
things right now. Like, there's just no good um, choices. And so the question is, is like, how do you make good decisions in the midst of a cloudy, foggy environment? And y'all might be experiencing this as well with all the COVID stuff going on. You might be asking yourself, do I send my kids back to school? They delayed it until September. Do I send them back in September? Uh, do I start homeschooling my kids? Um, do, I, do I go get a new job because I lost my job? And what do I do next? Do I keep funding my 401k? Uh, do I buy a house right now? Do I go to in-person worship services right now? Do I even go buy groceries right now? There's lots of questions right now that if you're anything like me, there's not really good, clear answers to a lot of these questions. And so what I want to do is I want to um, give you some steps on how to go about making decisions in the midst of hard times. And, um, and again, you might have uh, come last week saying, um, uh, reading Jeremiah 29, 11, and saying, I want to have those plans that God has for me. I just don't know where to start. In the midst of things going on right now, I don't even know what decisions to make. Well, again, today I want to give you some steps on how to make decisions and hopefully align your plans uh, with God's plans. Now, I'm a very practical person. Um, I like uh, very tangible, um, easy-to-digest um, steps. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you uh, four questions that you can ask yourself in the midst of decision-making. Whether it's a big decision or a small decision, I want to give you four questions that you can ask yourself in the midst of making decisions. Um, and if we can answer these and get through these four questions, then they should get you in the ballpark of God's plan for your life. Now, there's two caveats I want to give before we get into this. Um, one is that um, I realize that not everyone is struggling with the same decisions right now, um, uh, depending on uh, how you're responding to this pandemic. Some people uh, don't have to worry about uh, what their kids are going to do, and, and you may not even have a problem making those decisions. Um, well, well, whether or not um, you're having a hard time making decisions because of the pandemic or if you're having a hard time making decisions just in general, these four questions aren't specific to what's going on right now. These are just four general questions to ask yourself. So whether or not you're dealing with pandemic issues or just your own personal life issues, these four questions will apply. You know your context better than I do. And so you just take these questions and you apply them to your own personal context. So that's the first note. The second note I want to make is that um, while we're talking about the midst of God's plan for your life, I don't think God cares as much about the little nitty-gritty details as much as we do. Here's what I think God does care about. I think God cares about the big picture of your life. I think when God talks about he has a plan for your life and a hope, he's mainly talking about you entering into a saving faith and relationship with Jesus. That's his plan for your life. And so if you leave with nothing else today, then know that um, the way to get onto God's plan in your life is to follow him and trust him. And if you do that, everything should work itself out. Again, these four questions are going to talk more about the day-to-day -day decisions that we make in our lives. Cool? All right, so let's get into this. So we got, again, four questions to ask yourself when making decisions. The first question that you should ask yourself when making a big decision is, why do I want to do this? And this might be uh, one of the most important places to start because we need to hone in on what the motive is behind why we're even doing something. Uh, because why you do something can actually determine whether or not you should do it. Um, the Bible um, tends to hone in on this and 
and uh, there's like some gray area issues. And while the Bible is very black and white on some issues, the Bible also um, has this gray area where he says, you're free to do this, but your motive can actually make it sin or not sin. And so there's a passage in Romans where Paul is talking to uh, the church and he's, uh, there's this issue of food. And he said to them that you're free to eat whatever food you want. Like you can eat uh, any kind of meat you want free of sin. The, it's an amoral thing. Um, so you can eat it. But then he says this. This is Romans 14, 23. It says, But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats. Because if he, his eating is not from faith. And everything that is not from faith is sin. I want you to catch that last part. Everything that is not from faith is sin. See, the Bible uh, tends to address issues not on um, as much black and white sin, but he, the Bible goes a little bit deeper and starts to ask the question of, why are you even doing this? This was Jesus' um, big issue with the Pharisees, is that the Pharisees were really good at uh, being very black and white. They're very good at like, we're following the law and we're upholding these things. And Jesus come in and said, hey, you're whitewashed tombs. Like, like you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're dead. Because while you're making the right decisions on the outside, your internal motives are so far from right. So while it looks like they weren't sinning, on the inside they were sinning. And so there's things in our life that aren't necessarily sin. They can be okay to do, but if your motive is wrong, it can make them sin. So, for example, wanting to get married isn't sin. However, wanting to get married because you have deep insecurity issues and you're looking for someone to fill holes in your life, that might be sin. Wanting to get a new job isn't sin. However, um, running away from conflict issues in your current job might be. Wanting to get a new car isn't sin. However, um, trying to uh, buy materialistic items to give you life might be sin. So we need to stop basing our decisions solely on does the Bible say I can do this or I can't do this. Again, the Bible is very clear cut on sin. However, um, if you just boil it down to does the Bible say I can do it or I can't do it, you're kind of missing the bigger picture. God cares more about your heart. God looks into the heart of the issue um, as much as he does into the actions of the issue. So our question shouldn't be can I or can I not do this, but rather should I even do this? And we answer that question by asking ourselves, why do I want to do this? And so I'll, I'll leave this point on this. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything that we need to do needs to be rooted in a faith in Jesus. So why do you want to do this? If it's not rooted and blossoming out of a faith in Jesus, then the answer should probably be no, or at the very least, not yet, until you work out your motives. Okay? So that's the first question is, why do I want to do this in making decisions? The second question we should ask ourselves is, does it line up with Scripture? And it amazes me um, how quickly people throw this one out. Like, um, I'll talk to people or see people talk, and they'll say, like, uh, they'll make a decision. And they'll say, like, I feel like God is leading me this way. 
or um, like, like uh, I feel like God is telling me to do this. And, and let me state something really clear here is that God will never lead you to do something that contradicts God's word. Everything that we do needs to be grounded in God's word. And whatever God speaks to you personally should always line up with his word because they are one and the same. You should never take the approach of, of um, God has told me this and the Bible disagrees, so what God has told me trumps what the Bible says. You should never think that way. In fact, you, th- you should think the opposite because um, we can get things wrong. Like, uh, like in my prayer life, when I f- uh, feel like God is talking to me, sometimes I get that wrong. Like I'm flawed. And so I actually need to take the opposite approach in saying that I think God is telling me this, but if the Bible says the opposite, the Bible trumps what I think. Okay? So we should always line it up with Scripture. Um, we need to bring our decisions and put them up against Scripture to make sure they line up. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And now a lot of us don't know how to make decisions because we're not even using the light that God has provided for us. Like we're stumbling around on the path, bumping into things and bumping into this. And then whenever we bump into stuff, we lament to God, asking him why he got us in that situation. And I feel like God is just up there saying like, listen, I gave you a light. You're just not using it. Like, like don't be surprised whenever you uh, step on a Lego or bump your toe against the coffee table. You're not turning on the light. And so God's word is meant to be a guide for us. And there's a wealth of information in there on very practical topics. All we need to do is seek it out. And so the easy question uh, to ask is, does it line up with Scripture? But the hard thing to do is to actually know what Scripture says about the issue. But the great thing is, is that we live in the 21st century and we have a wealth of information um, at our fingertips. Like I would tell students uh, when I taught in the student ministry that I think YouTube is the greatest invention of all time. Like here's the thing, YouTube has uh, some of the best preachers in the world giving Bible studies on very relevant topics in your life. YouTube has college courses about stuff. Like, you could learn to do just about anything in the world on YouTube, but unfortunately, we use it to watch cat videos. Like, we don't really use YouTube to its full capacity. Um, We have um, things at our fingertips. We're not in the 1800s where you had to comb through thousands of pages of Bible to find an answer. If you have a question on finances, use Google. Ask Google, hey, uh, what are verses about finances? And I promise you, it'll pop up a site that says 105 verses about finances. Is that the best way to do Bible study? It's, like, I don't recommend you doing all your Bible study that way, but it's a good place to start. If you have a question about your marriage, Google, hey, uh, what are verses about marriage? Parenting, Google, what are verses about parenting? There's tons and tons of resources out there that will educate you on what the Bible has to say about these things. All we have to do is seek it out. So we need to second ask ourselves the question, does it line up with Scripture? And then doing that, seek out the answer. And if the answer is no, that the decision you want to make doesn't line up with Scripture, then you probably shouldn't do it. So first, we've got, um, uh, why do I want to do this? Uh, Does it line up with Scripture? And then the third question we need to ask ourselves whenever we're making big decisions is, did I pray about it? 
Praying should be one of our first stops in making any big decision in our life. Um, prayer is where um, we uh, seek out God's um, wisdom in those things. Now, the great thing about praying is that it forces you to do two things. The first, it makes you stop and wait. Like if anything like me, like, like you're a really busy guy and, and you want to uh, make decisions and make decisions and prayer should make you stop and wait. And the reason it should make you stop and wait is because uh, the kind of prayer that I'm talking about isn't the five second prayer where you ask God what he thinks about a situation and then you go off and do what you were going to do anyways. Like the five second prayer uh, or, or the prayer that I'm not talking about is, is not when you're laying in bed and you give a half-hearted prayer and fall asleep while you're praying. Like the kind of prayer I'm not talking about is the, the prayer that you say uh, right before a meal where you have Taco Bell in front of you and you're asking God to provide nourishment through the Taco Bell. That's not the prayer that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a season of prayer. We're talking about big decisions in your life. At the very least, you should stop and wait for at least a day and pray. If anything, you should probably stop and wait at least a week and pray. Whenever um, uh, I was coming on staff here, um, I was... Uh, literally a few days away from coming in, in view of a call to be the worship pastor here. And Pastor Lee uh, and I was talking, and he said, hey, if you had the choice, would you do youth ministry instead of worship ministry? And I didn't have an answer for that. And so I spent the next four months of my, not four months, four weeks of my life praying and going through these very things right here, trying to figure out what God had for my life. At the end of those four weeks, I had a much clearer picture than I did in that moment because I was able to stop, take a step back, and figure out what was going on. God wants us to do that. Proverbs 4.26 says this, Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all of your ways will be established. On the path of life, God wants us to take a step back before we make any significant decisions and just evaluate the path in front of us. And consider the path in front of us and, and um, think very level-headedly and clearly. Because uh, whenever we don't step back and consider the path, we start making impulse decisions. If you're anything like me, you're an impulse decision maker. Like I worked at Best Buy um, for a little bit after college and it was not good for me. Because I was constantly surrounded by a bunch of things that I wanted. And I would spend my whole paycheck on gadgets because I'm an impulse buyer. Uh, we get swept away in all the positives, and we forget all the negatives in our life. Like, like if, if you've ever gone to buy a car, you know this to be true. Like, you'll go in, and, and you'll be so swept up in all the gadgets and the gizmos of the car that you forget the fact that you're signing up for five years of payments that's going to strain your bank account. But man, it has really cool heated seats in it. And there's DVD players that, that play uh, videos for our kids in the back. Have you ever noticed that salesmen feed on your impulses? Have you ever noticed, like, never in my life have I ever went to buy something of significance and uh, the person, the sales associate, say to me, we have plenty of those in stock. No one's really looking at this. Go ahead and come back later. Like, go home and think about it. No, every time they always tell me, hey, listen, this is our last one. We've had five people walk in the door uh, before you came in to look at it. If you go home now and don't buy this, then it's probably not going to be here when you come back. That's been my experience with sales. They see that we're impulse buyers and they want us to hop on that. Um, hear me on this. When I worked at Best Buy, we went through sales training. They train you 
to feed off of people's impulse decisions. Like, these companies aren't stupid. Like, they have done very extensive research. They know statistically, if you come into a building, or if you come into the business, and you don't buy in that moment, there is a very high statistical chance that you will never buy that product. And so you know what they tell the sales associates? You need to get them to buy the product while they're in the store. They know that we're impulse people. And what God wants you to do, whether it's a buying decision or just a decision in your life, he doesn't want you to make impulse decisions because when you make impulse decisions, you later regret it. God wants you to take a step back, carefully examine the path in your prayer. So that's the first thing that that prayer does for us. It it makes us stop and wait. The second thing that praying uh, makes us do is it makes us seek input from God. That's one of the uh, chief purposes of prayer is to get input from God and to ask him what he thinks. Too often, our prayers are us telling God what we want and asking him what he thinks, and then we never give him a chance to actually answer. And by the way, some of y'all do that in y'all's own personal relationships too. Food for thought. Okay, so we need to sit and wait to allow God to speak into our situation, particularly if we're asking him about his advice. Psalm 37.7 says this, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. The Bible calls us to slow down and in our prayer, wait and listen on him. And this is where prayer gets hard because, again, a lot of us are more concerned with telling God what we need rather than listening to God as to what we actually need. Now, you might tell me, you might say this like, Chris, I've tried this. I've tried talking to God. I've tried hearing his voice, but I can't distinguish God's voice from my voice. I can't distinguish my thoughts from the Spirit's thoughts. So I don't even, when I sit and listen to God, I don't even know what he's saying to me. Well, um, how you start to distinguish the, uh, the voice of God in your life is to take a step back and to learn the characteristics of who God is, learn it, and, and be patient and develop it like a skill. Um, let me put it this way. Um, so uh, my daughter Lottie is uh, a little over five months old um, right now, and she's going through all sorts of developmental uh, things, and one of the uh, developmental things that she's doing right now is squealing. Uh, she will just scream at the top of her lungs, and she's not even, like, upset. Like, in, in fact, okay, here's a video of it that you can see. Is she done? I don't know. Let's see. And there's the spit up. That's my whole life. But isn't that a cute baby? Oh my gosh. I don't want to be biased here, but that's the cutest baby in the world. And God told me, so it's true. So Lottie starts making noise like that. And, and like every couple of weeks, she'll, she'll make a new different noise. And whenever she starts making these noises, sometimes it's hard for us to determine what she's meaning by those noises. Like, like I don't know if she's like having the time of her life or she's about to have a nervous breakdown. Um, and so uh, the thing, though, is that the more 
that I am around her and the more I hear her make those noises and observe her and study her, the more I start to notice what those different squeals mean. Like I start to understand, like, like on the surface, all the squeals look and sound the same, but the more intently I listen and focus, the more I start to hear, okay, this is a happy squeal, she's having a good time, or this is a squeal that's her transitioning into a bad time, so I need to probably go over there and see what's wrong. And listening to the voice of God is very similar. Like you might sit down and ask God a question and, and just listen. And there's so many thoughts going around in your mind that you have no clue what are God's thoughts and what are your thoughts. Be patient. Sit. Listen. Again, I'm not talking about a five-second prayer. I'm talking about a season of prayer. Just sit back and listen. And if, uh, with great patience and perseverance and practice and prayer, you can start to um, figure out what are your thoughts and what are God's thoughts. And by the way, the more you start to study Scripture and the more you start to learn about the character and the heart of God as revealed in the Scriptures, the more you can start to understand how He's going to communicate to you. There's times like uh, back when I was in college, I thought God was talking to me, and then later on, I'm like, that's for sure Him not talking to me. Uh, but now, the more I know about God and the Scriptures, if there's a thought like that that comes in my head, then I know for sure that's not God's thought because it directly con contradicts the Scriptures of God. And so the more you understand the heart of God, the more you start to listen and intently study um, God's communication with you, the more you can start to um, distinguish what's your voice versus what's God's voice. And then when you can start to distinguish what's God's voice, then you can start to have a really powerful prayer life um, where you are actually getting input from God. And if you want to line yourself up with God's plan, that's a good place to start right there. So that's the third question that you need to ask yourself is, did I pray about it? And in asking yourself that question, it should lead you to, um, to stop, wait, and um, seek input from God. Okay? So last question that you should ask yourself in making big decisions in your life is, did I seek counsel from others? Now, in our decision-making, this is something that we can't ignore, um, reaching out to the church, the people of God, um, to um, ask them their advice on a situation. The Bible actively calls us to pursue counsel from other people. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail where there is no counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Why is seeking counsel from other people so important? It's because they provide perspective on a situation. Again, if you're anything like me, uh, whenever I get wrapped up in a situation, like I get clouded. Like, like my, my view gets really clouded and I start seeing only the good things and can't see the bad things. So I need people to come into my life and say, hey, Chris, you're, you're not seeing the whole picture. Here's something else you need to see. When me and Randy were buying a house, um, there was four main houses that we looked at before we actually uh, bought ours. The first three, I was in love with. I was ready to buy it. Like, the only thing that stopped us from buying it is actually some of the contract stuff that fell through. The first house completely had to be uh, gutted and renovated. Again, this is our first house. First house completely had to be gutted and renovated. The second house had septic issues. The third house had foundation issues. Every single one of them, I was like, on board. Let's do it. Why? Because I, again, I'm, I'm impulse and, and like my, my judgment gets clouded. So what I need in that situation isn't people to tell me, hey, Chris, 
You got it. Just watch Fix Her Up and go fix the house up. Like, I need people in my life to say, hey, Chris, I've lived a little bit longer than you. You need to slow down. You need to take a step back and, and, and come off of this high that you're on and see the reality of the world. I did this with Randy. When me and Randy started dating, um, she was in Missouri and I was here in Texas. And so we dated long distance for um, uh, a year uh, before she moved over here and we got engaged. Um, and dating long distance, we had a lot of interaction with each other, but we had very little interaction uh, of us with other people. And so whenever she would come visit, I would always make it a really, um, uh, a really intentional um, move to, to have us go out to eat with friends or go hang out with friends. And then uh, either uh, while we're out or later on, I would pull uh, um, my close friends aside and I'd say, hey, um, what do you think? What do you think about her? Am, am I, are you seeing something in this that I'm not seeing? Like, does she have the crazy eyes that I need to avoid? Um, luckily, they all said that she's great. They actually told me that she's too good for me. Um, thankfully, she didn't ask her friends that same question. Okay. But we need perspective in our lives. How many, how many relationships I could have avoided if I was to open up my life to my friends and have my friends speak into it? Like how many destructive mistakes I could have missed in my life? God wants us to open up our lives to the people around us and to seek input from them. Now here's the, the, the tricky part of that is that usually this means that you have to actually go ask advice from friends. And usually um, if I already know the answer, and I don't like the answer, I won't ask my friends because I don't want to hear the, the answer. Um, I know the answer. I want to do what I want to do. Uh, so what I found in my life uh, that works really well is to give people permission to speak into your life even if you don't ask. Now, I'm not saying uh, everyone. I'm not saying like give up. I'm not saying go on Facebook and say, hey, everyone on my Facebook friends list, um, feel free to criticize me on what I'm doing wrong. I'm saying like find a handful of people in your life that you trust with your life and with your family's life and tell them, hey, I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. And if you see me ever doing something uh, that's going to hurt me or my family or lead me further away from God, I give you permission to come speak into my life even if I don't ask you. We need that in our lives because we need people to tell us hard truths and to correct us and give us perspective even when we don't want it. Again, I'm not saying do this with everyone, but find people that you trust dearly in your life and give them permission to speak into your life. Plans fail where there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. God wants us to um, seek counsel from others on the decisions that we make. So those are the four questions that you should ask yourself before making a big decision. Uh, the first one is, why do I want to do this? Figure out the motive behind why you're doing something. Uh, the second one that you need to ask is, does it line up with Scripture? Uh, you need to figure out, um, does, is what I'm doing contradicting the Word of God? Third thing you need to do is you need to pray about it. And in praying about it, it will cause you to stop, wait, and um, seek input from God. And the last thing you need to do is seek out counsel from others. Now, here's the thing. Is this plan foolproof? Like, if you go and do every single decision through this lens for the rest of your life, are you ever going to make a mistake? You probably will. Like, like, that's okay. Like, we make mistakes even whenever we're being careful. But if you are taking um, 
the amount of time to go through this, then you're going to land a lot closer to the plans of God for your life than you would just going out and making willy-nilly decisions. Now, again, I want to, to reiterate uh, that while this is great for day-to-day decisions and, and making good day-to-day decisions will help line you up with the plan of God, that's not ultimately the plan of God for your life. The plan of God for your life is ultimately for you to have a relationship with him. And so, so again, I don't want you to get lost in all this. I don't want you to spend um, your whole life um, making every decision through these four questions and then miss the biggest decision that you can make in placing your faith in Jesus and following God. Like, if you leave here with one thing today, leave with that. Okay? I don't want you to miss the very reason that we're even alive. Let's pray. Well, thanks for joining us today online for our worship service. We hope that you are ministered and encouraged to while you're with us. And we just want to remind you that you can connect with us online by going to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. We hope to see you again next week.